0: flying dinosaurs that are not dinosaurs because that upset Ben. They're
1: They're not dinosaurs. dinosaurs.
2: me it's me it's tdp it's the throw and dice podcast my name is curtis spears i'm here today with your friend my hero grant wills how are you doing today buddy yeah
0: i am good coming to you from the the north today yes yeah, so i am currently sitting in the leeds and bradford airport Premier Inn as we uh record today so i've carried all of my recording equipment and painting equipment all round the country with me this week uh, because I left my house Monday and I haven't been home since.
2: <laughs> you get home. You get home tomorrow, though, right?
0: Yeah, tomorrow night. Man,
2: that's wild. how How did your How did your wife take it when you were? Uh, she, she's been off all week, and you have to be gone all week. How'd she take that?
0: Oh, she's pissed. So, um, yeah, she's oh, not. I mean, she is not happy that. Her first full week off. I'm away for all almost all of it.
2: That's that's pretty funny because she'd probably be pretty pissed off if you were there too because you'd just be like annoying the shit out of her and stuff anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, out officially out of the isolation station. I don't have to isolate anymore. I am COVID free now. So that's pretty good. Unfortunately, you're now in the isolation station, even farther away than normal, so that sucks. All sucks, but hey, we're going to play some Marvel Crisis Protocol this weekend, so it's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to play. I'm the, the benefit of spending a week in the north is that I've got to go to a lot of the cool hobby shops around, so I've visited Warhammer World, Element Games, uh, The Outpost in Sheffield, uh, I've bought a lot of paints uh, from the various ranges that I've u- used and run out of. Um, so yeah, uh, I've been having a good time making the most list of it. Of things to shop for me. <laughs> I bought you Dunkin' Donuts coffee.
2: You sure did French vanilla Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and God bless you. I'm into it. Thanks, man. So yeah, let's go ahead and kind of look forward to the week we've, we've like i said we've got uh marvel crisis protocol this weekend i will actually be playing a game of blood bowl tomorrow we're gonna do this instead of games we've played because there's like no no games we've played since the last time we recorded is it, is are you getting anything else going this week you were supposed to play a game tonight weren't you or you're trying to
0: i was hoping to but my would-be opponent uh had surgery this weekend so he oh, is not shit mobile so he's unable to, to play a game. Or, you know, he might just be scared of the demons. One or the other.
2: I, I don't blame him for that. I think yeah. if I were to play those demons again, I'd run outside in front of a car and get hit and then have surgery instead, too. Um, yeah, so both are good reasons.
0: Good. like They're good excuses not to play. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, shout out to the podcast, uh, friend, of, friend of the podcast, whoever the hell you are. Uh, please have a good recovery.
0: Yeah, so it's um uh James. James Collett, who we're gonna be talking about a oh. bit later. So oh, you yeah, want to see Big Jim. Yeah, so friend of the podcast, Jim.
2: Oh shit, friend of the podcast, Jim, have have a good recovery, buddy. All right. I yeah, I, I will be playing Blood Bowl tomorrow. It's the final game of the Blood Bowl league I play in. Uh, I forgot that I even had one game left because uh, I front loaded all my games at once. I just was so excited to finally get to play Blood Bowl in person again. It's a uh, f- like once once per month game uh, league. And I played all, I think I played three or four games like within uh, three weeks at the beginning of like right when League started because I was so excited to finally play Blood Bowl in person again. My leagues have continued all the way through uh, through lockdown and things like that because they were playing on Fumble or on PlayStation, playing Blood Bowl 2 and things like that. But I don't play video games, so I was just kind of like continuing to paint my Blood Bowl teams and uh, just wait, wait for Blood Bowl to come back, you know, because I miss it and I love it. But now it's back. I played all my games at once and it turns out I had one game uh, left to play. So I'll be going over to my friend Paul's house. Paul is awesome. Uh, He's helped us out immensely. He's loaned us some equipment so that Grant can uh, have a working microphone, <laughs> and like instead of just using my old one with no amplifiers or anything like that, he loaned us a compressor and a little mixing board and stuff like that for Grant, so that's pretty awesome. Thanks for that, Paul. And uh, I'll be playing one of his kids. Uh, I don't know if it's Josh or Jake, but I'll be playing one of them uh, for my final game of Blood Bowl tomorrow, which is awesome. I have been playing my Dwarves for this league, and I'm sucking immensely. I've been getting my ass kicked. Uh, every game. I think I've won one and it was like a one to nothing game. I suck at dwarves, evidently. So, whatever.
0: So, speaking Next. of Blood Bowl, uh, yeah. what do you think of the team that was previewed at Adepticon a few weeks ago? The new
2: Norse team. Oh, man. I love them. I think they look so cool. Uh, I think the Yeti is neat, but I, I wish it was a little bit bulkier, a little scarier, maybe. Uh, I'll probably still end up getting one, because I want a Norse team anyway. I'm I'm about it. I love the Norse. I think they're a super cool team. I love that they're like they're just like a human team, but with uh, frenzied berserkers and stuff like that. And they've got pigs now, too. They've got beer boars. Yeah. And I can't wait to see how they play in the game. I'm really excited for this Norse team.
0: Yeah, they look really fun. I haven't played Blood Bowl for since the second edition... So, well,
2: I invite you every time. Every time league starts up again, hey Grant, you want to play Blood Bowl with me?
0: Yeah, it's one Anytime of those. You want man? One of those games that I only play it once, and then I forget how to play because I don't play it for years. So it's like learning well, how to play. A, if you it played every in a time. league,
2: you'd play it at least once a month.
0: <laughs> or front load all the games at once, so I only or have front to front load all the
2: games at once, and then forget.
0: so I only have to learn how to play it for a short while. so yeah i'm really
2: excited to play some blood bowl and uh this weekend we're playing marvel crisis protocol do you know what what you're bringing with you to play marvel crisis protocol with connor friend of the show connor
0: a force and maybe web warriors
2: Uh, i'll be bringing my bring my x-men team i think connor has sinister six uh like foes of spider-man superior foes
0: yeah it's gonna be fun excited to see it so maybe i will use some web warriors if connor's got uh, Spider-Foes
2: Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun I'm very excited You haven't built any of your uh, your starter set minis, have you?
0: Uh, I've built some Not many
2: Oh yeah, well you probably built your Spider-Man
0: And uh, Black Widow And Captain Marvel
2: Oh yeah, because they're a 4 aren't they?
0: Yeah, so I've got Baron Zemo with me uh, if i got fed up of painting world eaters but i haven't got fed up of painting world eaters yet that's great yeah that's awesome so man. i'm very excited
2: and what how many how many days until how many days until uh we go to wales uh 2 weeks 2 weeks oh, i'm so excited man i'm so excited i was at work last night and i just wanted to like throw my hands up and quit and like all the, and i was like nope can't quit got to pay bills but i get to go to wales in a couple of weeks
0: yeah Right like, so, in the four days since we recorded last, I have yeah. Paint pretty much painting World Eater dreadnoughts, and that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I've did all the metallics on them. So I think the next stage is I just need to do a couple of little highlights and then uh, pick out the last few details, and then they'll be ready for the weathering stages. Uh, and I think I'm going to save all the weathering to do all at once across all the, the whole force just to keep it
2: yeah uniform. Keep it pretty uniform. That'll look nice. What else have you been working on? Anything else?
0: So I did the skin and hair of four more dwarf slayers uh, while I was just waiting for oil paints to fully dry on the world eaters and that's it oh okay it's only four days right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we haven't had a lot of time work gonna... working actually actually i uh have let's see so other than editing podcasts which takes up a lot of the time that i have for hobbying i have been working on a 10-man uh jump destroyer squad for my 30k ultramarines
0: you managed to pick up some primer
2: yes i did i went um actually my neighbor
0: uh joe shout out to friend of the podcast joe
2: yeah for sure she actually she had a birthday yesterday so she, happy birthday friend of the podcast joe she decided that she prefers brush on primer she does not like uh spray on primer so i actually uh she just gave me uh a, a, some of hers so went ahead and used that i don't know what brand it was it's some brand i've never heard of but, uh, yeah, I used that, and I got started. I finally settled on a color scheme for them. I'm going to do, like, a... I used some of the Green Stuff World color-shifting, like, purple-to-green paint.
0: Interesting. You know?
2: And instead of putting that over black and glossy like it's supposed to be, I put it over a base of lead belcher. I put two coats of it and then hit it with a null Oil wash so that it's, like, a dark bruised metal so it's like a dark silver with like purple low lights that kind of shift to green just a little bit just enough to make it look like a like like a tainted metal you know and then I hit it with a dry brush of um uh lead belcher or whatever some I think I I used the like Tamiya version because that was what I what they had at Hobbycraft and then uh I then hit that with a, a dry brush of Vallejo metal uh, Vallejo Model Air silver so that they pop in um just on the like the biggest highlights and uh now they've got black shoulder pads with ultramarine marks markings on them and I'm going to do a very like cold gold like a green gold uh on them and then uh they'll be ready to Ready to rock, man. I'm pretty excited. Like, just just got done doing some transfers on them today. I know you hate transfers. So, uh, I was <laughs> well, thinking of you the whole time. I was putting transfers on these guys. Just having a ball, doing transfers. It's a zen art form. Better you than me. Well, that's fun. I'm glad we got to do that. You know what else we didn't get to do this week?
0: It's play D&D. Play
2: D&D, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, with you being away... Uh, For so long Uh, I I know that you said the next Next session is going to be pretty combat heavy And running combat on Roll20 Is kind of a pain in the ass You want to do it in person And uh, so instead we decided to record a podcast For everybody But what we can do is talk about Our last session of D&D I know that a lot of people have been Kind of listening to our
1: progress Battle
2: reports I guess it's kind of a battle report Question mark
0: So where did we leave off we had just we were
2: leaving the theater, and yeah. we were coming. We were we had escaped some sort of crazy blood ritual, and uh, the the demon that we heard the name. Um, I, I did a, a little memory check there, and the demon it seems might have actually been named Manchun, M A N C H O O N question mark Maybe.
0: Yeah, Manchun is the the name of the demon patron of the group but you may have mistaken the the underling who was sent to fight you as being oh, yeah. No. him
2: yeah we killed Manchun we killed Manchun in the theater <laughs> as far as I know uh, but I, I know that uh, based on on my check that I got Manchun is a dark patron he's a demigod he's uh, the a demigod of shadows and blood Ooh. yeah we get back to the ship and we take off pretty quickly. Uh, as we're kind of settling down from from the experience that we had in the theater, we discover that uh, Christine de Lorender—that's the
0: navigator.
2: Navigator on the flight. Yeah, she is missing. We can't find her at all.
0: Yeah. So she arranged. She arranged a a midnight chat with Ben's character uh, to discuss his planar traveling origins uh, as being a point of interest for her. But she never showed up.
2: Yeah, and so we start kind of searching the ship for her. And as we're uh, searching the ship, the ship starts hitting turbulence, which is, you know, for a ship that floats on air, very, very, very difficult. So we're, we're kind of thrown off by that. And we start running around trying to find we think that maybe there was some sort of engine mishap. And we head down to the engineering room and there's blood all over the walls, and it's coming out of a like a toolbox that's on the that's located on the wall. Yeah, so Ben opens the the toolbox that's or the tool chest, I guess that's located on the wall. And inside is Tom. Tom is dead and, like, stuffed in a toolbox in, like, a grisly horror show fashion. Which one is Tom? Which one is Tom?
0: Uh, Tom Stiles is the engineer, and he's the father of Jim Stiles, the, the cabin boy. Yeah.
2: So he's stuffed in a, in a toolbox. Then, so we start freaking out and trying to find out, you know, we're, we're looking for clues, trying to figure out where, where things are. Uh, and what's going on. We head outside, and the stairs down into the engineering room, uh, Chris, who's one of the...
0: I think, believe Chris is the other engineer. He's the head engineer.
2: Yeah, Chris, The uh, he's an older fella. He's the head engineer. He is dead. He looks like he fell down a flight of stairs and smashed his head.
0: Yeah, so the turbulence you were experiencing was the... The ship like suddenly changing course and speed, but yes, yeah, so you worked out what was going on, and Ben managed to like calm the engines down a bit to to right. make the ride they were, smoother. They were
2: overheating, it was it was going faster and faster and faster like than it should be. It was like going fast enough to start shaking the the ship apart.
0: Yeah, so but yes, yeah, so you you think that Chris probably fell down the stairs during that whole commotion scene being an elderly gentleman he had a tumble and didn't survive
2: while we're coming out of the engineering um hold we decide to head to the not the captain's chambers but the i'm sorry the um cockpit i guess area i'm not sure what it would be called on a ship the helm anyway the helm i guess yeah sure and uh as we arrive there there's a mysterious woman who's got the captain, and uh, she's talking to the captain. The captain is kind of at a state of readiness, and this evil woman, this mysterious woman, has the our navigator, Christine, held hostage. She's wearing, like, cultist robes, and she's got a knife made of, like, black metal, which is awesome. And at first, like, I tried to intimidate her, because I was like, you've got... A bunch of, you know, House Dilarander, dragon-marked heirs and things like that in this room. Do you, you think about what you need to do? And she was like, shut up, stupid, and just, like, slit our navigator's throat. And uh, then we, we jumped into battle. Uh, so that's three people that just died, um, in, in case you were keeping track. During the fracas, uh, she ends up killing Cipher, the first mate, and she escapes. We find her in Thoric, uh, our charge, Thoric's room.
0: Yeah, so she, she teleports out of the room, or kind of like a misty step type thing, using power to jump to another part of the ship. Yep. Yeah, so you find her again, and she's rooting through Thoric's personal belongings. Yep, she's stealing looking, his papers, and that really upsets him.
2: I've got a note here that says, "We are, <laughs> we are the worst bodyguards." <laughs> Then we find uh, on the way on the way there we find Tim Trucker. Tim Trucker is dead. Uh, it's like grisly, like he's hung and displayed, like like what Hannibal Lecter does to that guy at the end of uh, Silence of the Lambs. Nasty stuff.
0: Yeah, so he's like hanging off like a a Antler trophy type thing above a doorway, above a flight of stairs. Like he's Gross. on display. Gross. So that's yeah. That's now five dead crew members.
2: Yeah. Rest in peace, Tim Trickett. He was my favorite. I loved him. <laughs> so we find out that her name is Melisandre. Uh, yes. And she is a high priestess of Marchune. And we were fighting her again. And she's kind of holding her own. She's like summoning demons and stuff like that to fight us and, and distract us. And she's stabbing at us and things like that. She's, she's trying to get to Thoric. Uh, for some reason, and eventually, she fucks off and our plane crashes through so it starts to crash into Ooh, a jungle no,
0: so there's there's something else that you've missed out so she so oh, she, so she summons the bunch of demons in Thoric's room to fight you and then she misty steps yep. out of the room again, and yep. then so whilst you're fighting the demons, finishing up that she jumps down to the engine room again and she kicks in the overdrive the third engine which is like a mm-hmm. rocket engine and the ship just careens out of control at a massive pace like far faster than anything you've experienced
2: yes and like yeah starts like i said shaking apart and things like that it's it's a crazy yeah so place. before
0: it was just the the two main engines whereas this time it was the full speed of this magic aircraft Right, on,
2: Yeah, we went into ludicrous And speed.
0: then, yeah, you chase her out of the Engine room again, Ben Manages to, to calm the engines down Again, uh, tries to get The ship under control And you head back up, you have one more Confrontation with her
2: Wasn't it on the flight deck before she fucked off? Yeah, I
0: think so, and in that yeah. fight She stabs Thoric, she finally Gets to him, and she lands a solid blow With her, her black metal Dagger, and then Properly teleports off. Yeah. So this time it's a different teleport. You can tell it was a different teleport, and she she disappears off the ship with a bit of gloating. At which point the ship starts to crash.
2: Yeah, the ship crashes. We we look. You know, we see land where there shouldn't actually be land, but we don't know how far the you know we were how far the rockets kicked in for us. Then um, we crash into what looks like jungle we crashed through the jungle into some sort of cave system and the, we, we hit the ground hard in the cave somewhere and we, we fell forever. Once we were in this cave, we were uh, crashing for quite a while when we thought we would already hit the ground. It seems like we went through into a cave system that is like, I mean, miles high. We can't even really see the, the top of the, the cave, like where we came through. And as we, crash into the into the cave what we can see from the various fires and things like that that we're trying to put out on board is more jungle it's like an underground jungle yeah so and we are very very confused by yeah, that yeah
0: so you've crashed yeah through so you hit the 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 jungle floor and then the ship punched through and went into this underground cavern that's that's so deep it has its own like ecosystem. And yeah, so above you, you could see flying dinosaurs that are not dinosaurs because that upset Ben. They're, They're not, not dinosaurs. dinosaurs.
2: Yeah, Ben would get really upset about you. But
0: they were like so. pterodactyl type creatures flying above the trees that had grown in this cavern so there's there's vegetate uh vegetation and there's like a river uh, a waterfall yeah. and a river running through this area that you've crashed into
2: so i tried to do some some checks to see if i could figure out what was going on like what i could gather is we might have gone far enough fast enough to actually make it to it might actually be Zendric that we made it to but my character doesn't believe that we made it to Zendric because he doesn't believe we were going that fast Zendrik is too far away for that but really he has no idea how how far it is he's just read books he my character thinks that we're in the underdark now because we're in a underground environment with its own ecosystem so my character's scared as shit and we are trying to take care of Thoric Thoric is now envenomated envenomed venom venomated i don't know yeah if...
0: so the they he and... was uh, stabbed with a poison dagger and he's now pretty much comatose Yes, yeah.
2: poisoned. Cool. And then, uh, so we stabilize him as much as we possibly could, but it's it's not very not very good. And
0: you find, uh, then uh, you find Jim yeah, and find James, the yep,
2: the little kid and w- the, the deckhand,
0: the cowardly chef.
2: That's right. They're the only ones that we can find that were alive because we go to check on Captain DeLarander, and he was a leaf on the wind, unfortunately.
0: So he took a tree through the chest as during the crash.
2: And uh, basically, this session ended with us in the like what appeared to be like the first episode of Lost. There was a big old plane crash, and we ended up in some sort of weird jungle where things aren't what they seem. A couple of survivors trying to really make their way in the world, but we're very scared, very concerned, and almost everyone is dead. We've got to find some sort of We've got to find some sort of way to stabilize Thoric. Thoric seems to be like bleeding out; like his wounds won't, you know, heal or anything like that. His wounds won't close, and uh, we're we're very very upset and very very scared. And we've got like a ten year old boy with us that that just watched his dad, you know, die. So.
0: Oh well, he didn't see his dad, but he did find. He
2: found him, didn't he?
0: The decapitated head. No, he found the decapitated, decapitated head of Cypher, right. the first mate because he was his body was chucked out the window during the flight but his head was like put in the dumbwaiter
2: that's right
0: yes and we told him to get uh, in the dumbwaiter waiter,
2: or no we told him to get in the pantry didn't we because we had a magic pantry think, that led to like a another dimension so we thought that that would be safe so we threw him in the pantry
0: yeah so that kept them sa- yeah it kept them safe during the um the crash so that's how they survived Whereas you guys were thrown overboard, and yeah, so that's where we've left off. So there's the three party members, there's the two NPCs alive, uh, one child, one cowardly uh, chef, and then the the unconscious Thoric.
2: And we've got plenty of food because the pantry was very well stocked before we left, and we're in a we're in a jungle where we're not currently being well, it's, attacked. Yeah. You, so, <laughs> that's that's pretty good.
0: So is it I think it's you've got 7 days worth of food in the pantry. Yeah, 21 meals.
2: But yeah, those meals are going to be really Four. really high class meals. <laughs> and we still got the <laughs> chef alive, so that's nice. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, we're not in a very good spot. Like I said, it's we're basically at the end of the first episode of Lost now. So, Ooh, that's going to be scary. I've come up with a pretty cool idea for where my character is gonna go my character's in such a we, we actually do level at this point we're leveling up to level 3 now so I think what I might do yes. is say that my character is visited by a patron of the dark arts in, in his sleep uh, that night while we're trying to like take a nap and settle down or whatever at, at the long rest that we're having and the patron is going to offer him some sort of protection against these dark arts that he's seen and been like wholly upset by. And I'm going to take a level in warlock now. So I'll have a rogue warlock.
0: Interesting. That's an interesting choice. I like to see how it plays
1: out.
2: Yeah. I have no idea. I've never played a warlock before, so we'll see. I'm, I'm going to, I'm trying something very different with this, with this character. So of course I I built it for RP instead of combat, which is something I don't normally do. And now I'm going to start leveling him up based on game experience and like things like that. So like this is I'm I have no idea where this character is going to end up. I have a rough idea now, you know, that I've seen how this is playing out, but like yeah, my character is uh very 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 scared. And I think that that would lead him to being lied to or manipulated by some sort of patron. And, you know, he, he, to the point where he would end up selling a bit of his soul for a little bit of power to fight back against whatever he's seen. And that would lead to him being, being a level in warlock. So I'm pretty, pretty jacked about that.
0: Yeah, and I'm also excited to see what Jay does with his Genasi druids Because Jay has only just realized that he can multiclass.
2: Yeah, yeah, um evidently we needed to tell him that that was an option. I mean, you can it's it's never a bad idea to just get 20 levels of whatever your class is cuz it always unlocks something cool, but adding a little bit of flavor with multi multi-classing is always a good time.
0: So, that's where we're up to with our Eberron D&D game. So, it's all gone a bit dark and a bit crazy. And it
2: is tits up right now.
0: Yeah, we're a, a, about to enter a dungeon crawl sort of situation, but it's, there's a bit of a twist because the dungeon has a home base that is the crash ship. So, yeah, it's like to see how the party are gonna sort of try and survive and escape uh, the escape system.
2: I'm really into it. I think this is. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the it's funny cause the character that I've been playing has been like kind of obsessed with the things that are going on around him. This is his first like, so it hasn't really come up in his like backstory yet in roleplay. but he's got a very, what's the word I'm looking for? He's got kind of a traumatic backstory that I was able to build for him, but I mean, it's a, it's a D and D character. Of course he's got a traumatic backstory. It's not, it's not the, my parents have died and I'm looking for revenge backstory that a lot of people do. But, um, I'm I'm hoping that that'll come out more in RP, but it's kind of leading him to be obsessed with all the things that are going on around him because he did come from a little bit of a sheltered back, backstory, I guess, a sheltered uh, lifestyle. So seeing all these things like being around a demon, being uh, you know attacked by like a cult uh high priestess and things like that and, and a, he's now like obsessed with everything that's going on around him so i think it'll be pretty fun to uh see how that how that informs this character for me
0: shall we move on to start talking about company of legends day two
2: yeah let's talk about sunday sunday so, sunday, sunday
0: yeah so yeah sunday morning the loyalists and the traitors—they separated off. We had our, our briefing, and at which point, everyone had sort of had worked out that the how the system works and uh, how the battle point system work, and we were getting very tactical with a, the number of points that we wanted to spend and save to ensure we had the big uh, had enough for the big bonus for the last round. At this point, everyone started to throwing around challenges and calling out bounties and to like to get the favorable matchups. So
2: at this point, I was running around to uh, to Jim 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 Collet and I was like, I was like, dude, call out Grant. I said, you've got one of the only lists in here that has a really good chance of beating him. Call him out and see if you can get those. I was I was just. Begging him, I was like, dude, please please like give grant a game because I saw that you were kind of walking through people, and uh I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny I thought maybe that Jim might be able to to challenge you a little bit, but so yeah. at, uh, it, it was
0: at this moment that I challenged Jim, but because Jim challenged me and it was uh Chris from the edge of empire podcast who was entering the matchups who was also the loyalist like the loyalist general mm-hmm. he got his challenge put in first so yep. he got all the benefits from the challenge uh, and I didn't even though we both wanted to play each other
2: yeah that was maybe they need i mean there's three of them so they could have a loyalist leader a traitor leader and then a third party but yeah he um I think they would have gotten their challenge in first either way because we were still working out the math on ours when he started putting his in.
0: Well, I think straight away I was like, I think I said it almost right at the beginning of our briefing. But then we went through our briefing and then had our chat, and then we did, worked out all of our challenges we wanted to do. By and then by that point it was too late. But
2: yeah, I, they it, they wouldn't have started putting it out at the beginning of the thing anyway they w- they were waiting until everybody had made all their challenges and they were going to put them all in at once it yeah
0: so but why? i said i don't mind i got to play to play jim and his custodes which i wanted to anyway so yeah. let's Cause you,
2: you were saying uh, on the breakdown was it the episode was it the episode before we went to company of legends you were talking about how there was one how there was one custodes list that you were kind of like that might that might do me
0: in uh, so, was that Jim's you were talking about? No, so I, I looked at Jim's and I was like, "That's the list I want to play." Um, okay. So, it because it was, uh, it was a f- proper talents list. So it had Sisters of Silence and Custodes. It was a really nice mix. So yeah, it was the list that I wanted to play against.
2: Whose whose list was it that you? Um that you said you didn't know how you would handle it. Was it Wright's?
0: No, I think it was the other custo player, who I don't know his name. Yeah, of... neither
2: of us played him. Okay.
0: No, so I think it was his. It may have been James's, but Wright's, but I'm not sure. Let's go ahead, and
2: I know we shouted out on the last episode, we shouted out Jim's um, Instagram, but let's go ahead and shout it out again since this is a new episode. Jim yeah. is...
0: It's jim.col... One three seven,
2: C O L L one three seven.
0: It is Jim. Dot C O L L one three seven. That's right. So Jim call one three seven. So yeah, the mission was called Hill one one two. Beyond the ken of men, traitors winning. So traitors are still in the lead at this point. Uh, so yeah. the the loyalists d- uh, hadn't won a round. In day one at all. Uh, yeah they were really gunning for it this round. So it was. Uh, three objective markers. Which were worth. Three points each. At the end of the game. And then. In addition. There was kill points. And there was the. In the service of the war master. Uh, see, so the traitors had to roll. On the table. And then. That affected their victory conditions. To yes. Do. So it was. Uh, the options were. Uh, number one. Uh, if the traitor player controls two primary objectives. From the start of turn four onwards. Reveal this secret objective. And immediately win the game. If the traitor is unable to do this. The battle ends. And they automatically lose. There was high risk high reward. Number two. If the traitor scores only 1 VP for each primary objective uh, they control. But they score 6 victory points if they achieve Slay the Warlord. So it makes the, the primary a low priority. But getting that Warlord kill is like required to have a chance of winning that game. Uh, number 3. Traitors score 1 victory point for each primary objective they control. But three victory points for each secondary objective they achieve and the secondaries are slay the warlord first blood and line breaker so it makes first blood really important number four traitor player scores five victory points for each primary objective in their table half but only one victory point for each primary objective in their opponent's table half, number five is the same, but the the reversed round. So it's five victory points in your opponent's table half, and one victory point for objectives in yours. Uh, and then number six, the this one's a bit crazy. Uh, if the number of victory points the traitor player has scored matches the sacred number of their chaos allegiance. Or the sacred number aligned to the Xenos Pylon, then the traitor player wins uh, the battle, no matter how many points the loyalist has. Uh, note: this also applies to demons of the Ruin Storm if they have the majority of demons from one of the Chaos Gods. Yeah, so, I think
2: that was that was a lot of fun. That was I didn't get that one, but I thought that was really cool. Uh,
0: so I got number four. So it was. The objectives in in my table half were worth five points each. Yes. Yeah, so do you remember which one you got, or
2: I got number four as well. Oh, okay, but yes, yeah, so really easy.
0: Uh, so my game against James uh, or Jim started off fairly similar to my game against James Wright on day one. Uh, so the majority of my demons all poured out. Um, I think I only had one or two units that didn't arrive. Turn one. But this time I huddled around the uh, the objectives, the portals, to keep my Invan save, uh, the re-rollable. And then I was strategically using some of the psychic powers to get the buffs off, casting them from different psychers, Because because the the presence of Sisters of Silence on the boards, it meant that if my psycho was within 12, it was harder to cast. So I'd cast from ones that were further away than twelve onto the unit that was within twelves to buff that unit and things, so it was a lot more to think about in the psychic phase. Uh, so I I decided to throw my brutes at James or Jim's Death Star of Janisha Kroll, a Tribune, and some Heteron Guards and they got eaten alive.
2: I can I can imagine they would. I mean the that Death Star is pretty gnarly, and then if you add in a a, a psychic null there to cancel out all your stuff, that's probably going to be pretty bad for you. Bad times.
0: Yeah, and then... So I, I tied them up for a little bit, but not long enough. And then... So my Archdemon ran into a unit of sisters... Oh no, so I got charged by a unit of sisters and some custodes but there was uh, Jim had some really bad rolls with his psych grenades that if you remember from last time we did wrong this was how we were playing it because we didn't know but he, he I think he got it down to only about 5 wounds left and then mm. there was some uh, attacks back and some stomps and uh, I didn't kill all the sisters and then I think I had to throw a, a unit of lesser demons to try and kill off some of the custodes while in the next round the Archdemon focused on trying to kill the sisters who didn't kill all of them. So they got to use their grenades again uh, and they got him down to one wound so he didn't kill it. Just. At which point I finished off that unit and was free from combat. And then in the next turn I got to the psychic phase. I was about to cast some powers to try and heal up my Archdemon, try and gain some wounds back, and then I perilsed and caused one wound and killed it myself. Oh. So I blew up my own Archdemon. And then my uh, my little Herald, who was casting the Obfuscate Mechanicum spell, was effectively shutting down Jim's Dreadnought. Because he because it has so many shots, he was too scared to roll the dice because of all of the overheats that could have happened.
2: That makes sense, and it's um, it's not twin linked or anything like that, is it?
0: No, and it's like I think that it has like eighteen shots or something across the model, so that's a yeah. lot of a lot of dice or so a lot of potential ones from on the overheat until his tribune killed the. Chosen. So, yeah, the game got, got real tactical. There was lots of trying to work out what's best, or who's best to charge where. We were pushing each other on and off objectives. And you love that shit. Yeah, so the game came down to an 11-9 loss. So the Custodes scored 11 victory points to my 9. So, again, two points in it, where which could have been swayed if... We got the rules right for the Archdemon and Psychic Grenades, but yeah, it was so it was so close. I scored the one objective that was in my deployment or my deployment half, which got me five points, which gave me a boost up, and then I scored a whole bunch of kill points. So yeah, it was it was a really close game, really fun, and like Jim is a cool cool guy. So
2: yeah, he's super cool. Can I can I can I offer you a little I'm gonna poke the bear a little bit, okay? Sure. If I were you, the rules guy, grant, you're the rules guy, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if I were you and I knew that I had this one big badass thing that had one big glaring issue. One big glaring chink K- in his pocket. Achilles Hill. You know? Yeah. if if I knew that this thing had one giant exhaust port on the Death Star. Maybe you might want to figure out how those work. <laughs> well it's before just, you go in before you go into an event.
0: Well it's just like I when when Jim messaged me to say like, oh I think we did this wrong and I looked I checked it and I was like, no, we did it right. But it was it was then I went had to go and double check the main rule book to find about using grenades in combat, that it just seems like a, such a glaring oversight from the the Forge World Rules team that psych-out grenades don't have a combat profile, that I have no idea what's the, the main weakness for big demons like that without those psych-out grenades. Yeah. So, yeah, I would really hope it's an oversight, because without them... Sisters of Silence are not very good against demons, right? Not as can, good
2: as they should be. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you can only throw one grenade in the shooting phase, so you can do one one perils of the warp. So you could do D three wounds to one model, but yeah, I'm just not sure how else you're meant to deal with them without that. So, like, because custodes don't have massed las cannon fire. Or turbo lasers or things like that, so the, that so I'm not just not sure.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. So but, yeah, but it sounds like you had a you had a good game either way. I mean,
0: oh yeah, definitely. And when when James pointed that out, I was like, oh, we definitely need that rematch now. But yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that Jim's uh, in recovery at the moment, so he's unable to play because this is the closest I'm going to be to him for a while so we'll have to look forward to that that rematch uh, sometime in the future love that guy yeah so Uh, how was your game one of Sunday morning
2: day two game one yeah so I played um, Sam Burge the guy that you played uh, ZM against
0: yeah
2: another uh, cool guy super cool guy his Instagram once more for we will read it out here is S A M. B U R G E 1991. 1991. And yeah, dude, beautiful Day of Revelations list with Sanguinius. I, and I, I told him this ahead of time, I said, I have never beaten Sanguinius. I don't really have a good record against Blood Angels. I think I've beaten Blood Angels once of the like three or four times I played them. So, whew, I was kind of. I was kind of bricking it and um he he was like "Ah, oh, it's cool I mean if you can if you can withstand the alpha strike then you know I I don't really have much left and I was like oh you've got sanguinius and he's he's pretty darn good so um
0: yeah for a for a slow moving death guard army he's he's he is mobile enough to evade you and pick his targets he's yeah You're right in fearing
2: Sanguinius. So I rolled the four to where I I was supposed to control the objectives in my zone, uh, like you did. And we went to town. Uh, He got first turn. His first turn. So Sanguinius jumps down, like right up my butt, turn one. He was very, very close. Uh, He had a couple of assault squads. That ended up on my flanks, but Sanguinius was, like, right next to the party bus, and he had a Moritat that uh, jumped pretty close to the party bus, but not close, not like, not close enough to get the Melta. He kind of scattered a little bit, because uh, he had the, the two Melta pistols, I think.
0: Yeah, and they've only got a three-inch Melta range.
2: Yeah. So. so, he jumps down. The Moritat... Can't get in multi range and couldn't bust my party bus, which I mean, if he had jumped down and, and Alpha struck the party bus off the uh, off of the off the table, that would have been it for me. I would have just been like, good game, bro. <laughs> and like, let's restart and try again. But uh, yeah, so he he jumps down and Sanguinius is just chilling for a minute. He's got those guys with him. What are they? The Angels Tears?
0: Dawnbreakers, the one with the spears.
2: Dawnbreakers, that's the one. He's got the Dawnbreakers with him. I love that squad. I think that squad is gorgeous. His was painted so well, too. Absolutely beautiful. And they kind of sat there because they're they're an assault unit, you know? And I know that if Sanguinius can get the charge off, he's going to start just busting my tanks. So, immediately, I drove my Grave Wardens over to my right to get to one of his assault squads. I drove Mortarian off to the left to get another one of his assault squads. And then, after I evaded the Alpha Strike, I turned the party bus at Sanguinius. Didn't move it, so I, I was able to overcharge the Vulcan Mega Bolters. And the very first thing I did was pile out the Flamer squad that I had inside. I had the Flamer squads tear them apart with the Flamers. Okay? Then, Rude. I hit him with the Vulcan Mega Bolters and Rude. basically everything else that was inside. And then I had my Terminators piled out as well, and the Terminators piled out, and after the Vulcan Mega Bolters and the Flamer Squads had stripped away all of his, all of his retinue, Terminators came in with a bunch of Power Fists and just clobbered Sanguinius, and I think Sanguinius might have made it two rounds. With the uh, with the power fist attacks from the terminators, but he didn't live much longer past that. Another an, another thing that kind of went my way was that he had a fire raptor, I believe it was, that came on turn two. The fire raptor completely whiffed. It was almost hilarious. Wow! And uh, then I had a, I had my land raiders still on the table at that point, and they snap fired into the sky. And shot his Fire Raptor down at the top of, or at the bottom of turn two, so at this point he's got no air support, which would have helped him out. Sanguinius is dead. His assault squads are still there, but like Mortarian, uh, Mortarian and the bodyguard unit have one, and the other one is being just nuked by my Grave Wardens. It was not a pretty game. I think the problem is that this this list that I had was very good against infantry, moderate against armor so there was actually an ultramarines armored breakthrough list that i i was like kind of hoping that i would get to play and i asked if i could but they said there were no more points to challenge that that day Uh, or we couldn't challenge on the fifth game i guess it was maybe but yeah i wanted to play the armored breakthrough list because that one would have been trouble for me i'd had a really hard time playing against that one and i wanted to kind of test myself a little bit but this day of revelations list other than that alpha strike he had he didn't have a lot left and uh i was able to just really you know stick it in and break it off for him it was pretty gross um i ended up wiping him i think on turn five i had (laughs) mortarian was chasing around his um he had a damocles commander i know that was like in the very very far end of the board and i had to kind of jump mortarian over there as fast as i could to uh to get to him. It was, he was the only thing that could have possibly reached that guy. Uh, and that was the the last thing I got to do is make contact with that Damocles and tear that apart with Mortarian's uh, sundering weapon. And, uh, yeah, uh, ended up uh, tabling him turn five, but he seemed to have a pretty good, um, pretty good, uh, uh, attitude about everything. And, um, we had a lot of fun. I, I, I think he was trying to get back at me a little bit cause he was like, I told him I was like, "Oh, this this list will shred infantry, but it's really not very good against a lot of armor." And he was he was like, "You should play that armor." Like he was trying to he was trying to get me to like go in and get my ass kicked against this armor breakthrough list. So Uh, I think think that was his buddy as well, though. I think
0: it's his buddy's list. I
2: think I think he was trying to get a little vengeance uh, vicariously from his friend.
0: It's yeah. It sounds like you played the perfect game. Really, you. uh
2: it was probably one of the better games that i've ever i've ever played of uh 30k like and it wasn't just that like i had a perfect counter for him because really it was very swingy like if he if he did if he would have landed the moritat exactly where he wanted it to and then get uh, sanguinius there to wipe out what was left you know like that could it could have been table for me you know turn turn 3 or 4 you know so,
0: oh yeah, because if if the party bus blows up, everyone inside is likely to die.
2: Yeah, strength ten AP two, so it's going to wipe everything in tactical armor. And then I've got a Terminator unit in there that's going to probably take at least half of that because I got a four up invuln save. Then Mortarian or not, sorry, Mortarian, uh, Sanguinius is free to, you know, pick and choose whatever the hell he wants to kill. After that, and in a straight up Primarch fight, Sanguinius is going to take Mortarian.
0: Yeah, so. Plus, I
2: snap fired his. I've snap fired his fire raptor out of the sky, so that was also a thing that happened and and went really well for me.
0: Uh killing a any flyer with like a snap firing small arms is probably one of the greatest feelings you can get. Especially, I think the only thing better is definitely when you kill a lightning with bolt guns.
2: <laughs> I've never done that before. Because uh, it's only armor yeah, on ten. The land raider, land raider was like, I got two twin link shots. One of them's bound to turn into a six, <laughs> and. Um took him out he was like i don't even think he jinked because he was like ah no it'll be fine
0: (laughs) oh dear but yeah it sounds like you didn't make any mistakes you had uh, some good luck on your side so yeah it sounds like you had a really good game four
2: yeah really good game four it really got me re-energized after uh game three where everything kind of shit the bed so that was nice
0: uh so mission five the ancient road by the hand of chaos traitors winning so round four the loyalists managed a draw with the traitors so with the the bonus points from that Jim got from his challenge on me that got the loyalists to a draw so that was their only high point of the the weekend. So it's it's overall it's a definite traitor victory at this point because the loyalists haven't won a single round. So what the story was that the the gateway is opened and now we're just piling troops through to get as many troops through the gateway into the webway to travel to Terra to go destroy the palace. The the mission is It's similar to the noose from the Shadow Wars missions so we had to pick a point in the enemy's deployment zone and get as many of our units as close to it as we could. And then there was uh, the loyalists got victory points for each heavy support unit that they destroy. So they got bonus points for heavy support units they kill uh, or super heavies or they just got kill points. Uh, I played against a Daniel Andrews with his salamanders. So on the Gorgeous day... yes, stuff. Yeah, so on the day I didn't get his Instagram handle. And I've sent him a message on Messenger since. But he's not responded. So I don't know what his social medias are. But this game was mental. Both the loyalists and the traitors spent all their battle points to get the ultimate power up for the game. Which was crazy i think it gave everything feel no all the the traitors got feel no pain if they already had feel no pain it got better there were some other things that didn't apply to me so i wasn't really paying attention do you remember what they were curtis
2: uh i don't the only thing i that affected me was the feel no pain because like it was like i think it was like add plus one to run distances or something like that, and I couldn't run anyway, so it didn't matter. It was, it was little things like that, so I just didn't pay attention to really any of it.
0: Uh, I think it was like rending attacks. Like, everyone gains rending in close combat, because everyone's becomes like, chaos-infused and stuff, but the majority of my demons had rending, or were monstrous creatures, so it didn't really matter. This game went really badly for Daniel. So, to, to start off, I seized the initiative, So he'd deployed fairly aggressively. I think he had the idea to try and boost his bikes up and surround one of my portals to stop me coming out of it so he could limit the direction I was coming from. But So he he did his scout move, but then I seized the initiative and my demons just all turned up, turn one. Every unit. Uh, He then shot at me. I passed so many Feel No Pain saves. It was ridiculous. I don't think I lost a single wound in the first turn, and then turn two, because of how the mission was, there was no objective markers, so there was nothing to keep me back. So I just piled into him, was charging whatever I could get to. Uh, so a bunch of demon, uh, my brutes charged his fire drakes, and that that just tied up in a big brawl in the middle of the boards. Which sort of caused a bit of a roadblock because I couldn't quite get round it. So that slowed me down a bit. His Praetor challenged my Demon Chosen who was in the Brutes and failed to kill him. So they just stood there like fl- flailing at each other a bit ineffectively. <laughs> um, my Demon Lord charged uh, his unit of bikes and just wiped them out. My Behemoth charged into... I think it was another unit of bikes... And tied them up. And then... Yeah, which meant all these combats then... Sort of limited the amount of shooting he could do. So I think he killed a couple of uh, brute... Um, uh, yeah, so he basically focus fired on my... Demon lords and his bodyguards. Uh, so he killed a couple of brutes and then killed... Some beasts from one of the units. And then... it come to my turn three. And in this turn I killed... His Praetor and his Fire Drakes, with my Archdemon. Uh, I killed both of his Sabres with a unit of Dogs. I call, killed both of his uh, Vindicators with another unit of Dogs. And I killed both his Sakarans with a multi-charge from some Demon, lesser Demons. At which point he called it quits. Uh, because I was in his deployment zone and all he had left was a Bane blade and a unit of Tactical Marines in a Rhino.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think I would probably call that, call that good too.
0: Yeah. So he uh, was insistent that I'd scored 30 victory points, which I thought was a bit excessive because he'd quit and all my models were in his deployment zone. So I said, 15 sounds fair. We'll leave it there.
2: So we almost <laughs> lost because of you.
0: <laughs> there was no chance of us losing um, (laughs) at this point so yeah in about an hour in probably not even an hour in I was done with that round so we I packed up all my demons uh, put them in the car went up to our room packed up all my stuff rolled all my bedding up put all that in the car come down started packing up table our table the terrain uh, and then sat around for a bit waited for you guys to finish. So, how was your round five?
2: My round five... Oh, it was ugly. So, basically, because every, every loyalist had spent all their points to increase their invuln saves by plus one. So, a standard tag marine gets an invuln save of six. Tartarus Terminator's invuln save four. And the... What are they called? Hateran Guard?
0: Custodes, yeah.
2: The custodes, the, the Terminators? Oh, the Aquilin Terminators, and yep. The the Aquilin Terminators and Constantine Valdor now have a three up in Save. Rude. Oh my god. I had to work as hard as I possibly could. So who against are you our playing? Boy, our boy James Wright. i I was getting oh. to it. I oh, had okay. to work as hard as I possibly could against our boy James Wright, someone who I'd already played that weekend the son of a gun. I played him on Friday. I play him the last game on Sunday, right? Adventures guild. If you can remember, that was W R I G H T underscore adventures underscore guild on Instagram. Yeah. So he had Valdor and a big basket of terminators and, um, he had a bunch of other custodes that just marched down with their extra 16.6% you know, uh, invuln save against everything I could possibly do. And so basically what I had to do was I ran all my tanks up the middle to get to the the escape point. Then I had to pile everything out of the tanks to get as close as I could to the escape point. And I was going to basically try and use the party bus as like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a exploding battering ram. I try to just run it in the middle of his, of his um, custodes and just blow it up and hope, and like sacrifice Mortarion and the party bus and just try and hold on to round five and hope that he couldn't get to me. You know where I was at the, cause what's the best way to put it? So everything that he had came at me as fast as it could. I let it come as fast as it could towards me and then tried to outflank him with my with my tanks, using the, the speed of my tanks to try and get around him to the escape point. Sacrificed my party bus and Mortarian to try and hold him back. In the end, it didn't work. I only ended like he started wiping out squad after squad after squad, and they were all scoring units. I had so much scoring units. If I could have hung on till turn five, I could have had like eight scoring units within 12 inches of this escape point, and I could have I could have possibly taken the game even with sacrificing my two Lords of War. But because I, I think the extra, of course the extra invuln save was going to help, but like because I wasn't able to kill the things that I was actually making contact with as fast as I possibly could, then by the time that he had wiped out my Lords of War, he still had so much of his army to just wipe me out. And I, I ended up with like two Terminators and like my tactical support squad and that was it. So I had two squads, next to the escape point, uh, running for their fucking lives, and uh, that was it, man. It was it was really, it was a fucking ass whooping. Like there's no way to put it. Where where, I could oh it was a it was a tactical victory because no no he whooped my ass. <laughs> it was bad. Like I had enough to I had a hard enough time against Constantine Valdor and his bucket of of Terminators. When he didn't have a three-up save on the entire fucking thing, so that was really tough for me. <laughs> yeah, when they said, uh, when they said, "Oh, you're facing Constantine Valdor," I was like, "Okay, okay, I can deal with that." And they're like, "And the, the entire army has a plus one involunt in save." I was like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> I I didn't even write down the final score. I I don't think I bothered to take notes. I was just like, "This is gonna fucking suck." <laughs> But it was it was right and Wright's a fucking super cool dude, so
0: He seemed embarrassed when I came over to see how it was going on. Oh, it was bad.
2: <laughs> he knew it too. Like he was he was like, Yeah, man, it's it, you know, you wanna take those guys over there? It's cool. Go for it. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's fine. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna you know, he was he was trying to whisper softly in my ear, but he was still, you know, Punching me the entire time,
0: gently caressing right. your cheek. Super cool. As he then punches you in the kidneys. Yeah, mm-hmm. rude.
2: He was he was whispering the sweet nothings, but yeah, it was it was gnarly. It was a bad bad game for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know why they thought that giving custodes a plus one invuln save was a good idea. Well, it's
0: probably the same reason why giving demons an extra bit of feel no pain. Because yeah. giving demons an extra invuln save is probably worse.
2: Probably. Probably a lot worse. Actually, yeah, I think it probably would have been... Giving the demons an extra invuln save would have been worse than, than giving the... Ooh, would giving the the custodes the feel no pain been
0: have been worse? No, giving the, no, giving the demons the, the invuln save would have It would have, have only been worse. a 6-up feel no pain for the custodes. Yeah. So. But it
2: would have been like a 4-up rerollable for the demons. Yeah. Gross. Real bad.
0: Yeah, so that's Our five games of Company of Legends. So after that, we all went around, helped pack up, putting terrain in boxes, rolling up mats, carrying tables, chairs. Just helping get that hall clear for the guys.
2: Do you want to call them out? Because some people didn't. Some people didn't help clear up. You know who uh, you are. We're not going to name any names. You know who you are.
0: Yeah. So there are definitely people that did more. Uh, (laughs) James Collett being one of them I even had to tell him to come sit down because there were people that hadn't done anything and his response was well if it doesn't get done the Edge of Empire guys have to do it so I'm just going to do it so again that guy's a legend he's far too nice James James a number one top flight guy he's far too nice Yeah. after the hall was all cleared then the award ceremony where once again I come within a gnat's chuff of getting an award, but once again, left empty-handed.
2: A gnat's chuff? Yeah. I've never heard that, but I like it a lot. Uh,
0: I'm not going to explain it to you. It's a very, very small distance. Let's say that.
2: I I know what a gnat is, and I assume that the chuff is like, is it the space between your your balls and your butthole?
0: Close enough. (laughs) So, yeah.
2: We in America we call that the ABC, okay, the ass ball connector,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> so yes, yeah, so uh, it come down to a split decision for Spirit of the War Master. So this was the award that the uh, hosts thought for the person who embodied the ideals of the event uh, the most, uh, and it come down to a split decision between myself. And Mr. Mark Frost, the fellow demon player. So uh, I feel like he won the award because they give him so much shit on their podcast. They Pretty much every episode they call him out for being a whack son of a bitch. So I feel like he got the pity vote there.
2: Are you saying that the spirit of their event is to be a jank-ass fucking demon player?
0: well, is to be a real nice guy whilst being a jank-ass demon player.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so... If you can make people smile while you're kicking their ass, it's probably a good idea.
0: Yeah. Pretty um, cool dude to play against. I'm pretty good at that, but uh, I never seem to win the awards, so maybe I should just start going to tournaments. Dirty, dirty. Let's not talk about that. Gross. Yeah, so... I didn't make any notes on who won the awards. I didn't either. Uh, You should go listen to the Edge of Empire podcast, because they are bound to read out the list of award winners uh, on their show.
2: You should listen to the Edge of Empire podcast anyway.
0: Uh, Yeah, because they are cool guys. They're much like us, where it's the group of them sitting around chatting shit about the hobby and then vaguely talking about a topic.
2: <laughs> yeah, vaguely, topic, vaguely talking about a topic is basically podcasting 101, isn't it? Uh,
0: yeah, and they they like to do a lot of list hammering on their show, as well as their tangent game is probably the best in the business, where they go off on some crazy directions. It's always entertaining to listen to them. So yeah, we definitely recommend it A plus A plus
2: dudes uh, A plus event uh, definitely would do again
0: yeah so this was our first time attending Company of Legends so A plus event would you like to elaborate on that on your high points of the event um,
2: I feel like we had a really good time on like Saturday night at the event was probably like the funnest part like once everybody got their food and kind of head back to the to the camp
0: you meant and, while you um, were watching wrestling
2: Yeah, we were, you know, we were watching wrestling, talking a little shit. Uh, There were some people in the other, uh, at one of the other tables, and they were kind of having a, a, like, they ordered a bunch of pizzas in or something like that, and they were having a good time. It just seemed like everybody was kind of smiling and just having a good time, and it was really nice. You know, people were bringing bringing booze in and out. Uh, There was, like, it was like a big old frat party, really. There's, you know, people all over the place just... You you could walk from one room to the next room to the next room like you could walk in the, the cafeteria where we were. You could go in the main gaming hall. You could go outside and wherever you were, there were people just smiling, having a good time, chatting about heresy and stuff, or or, or, or different elements of the hobby, and it was all good stuff.
0: Oh uh, yeah, like Saturday night while you were watching wrestling, uh, and after I finished mocking you for watching wrestling, I went watch wrestling. Uh, I <laughs> went. Into the main hall and had a nice chat with Rob and Justin about 3D printing in the hobby. And, and yeah, stuff like that. And we had a bit of a chat about some of the leaks and the playtest stuff that's come out. And yeah, it was just really cool. For obviously two guys, that, one I've never met or spoke to and one who I've only ever spoke to online. So yeah, it's really, like it was really comraderic. Yeah, it was a great, great event. As I said last episode... The only downside I had for the whole event was that I didn't get to play the mission that I thought sounded the coolest, because I played Z- Neither did ZM. I. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh no, that was game two, wasn't it? Yeah, no, Yeah. that was a really cool, that was a cool mission. So I didn't get to play it because I got my ass kicked, how about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, I had, I had such a great time.
2: I didn't get to play ZM, and I really, really was hoping to play ZM. I had a pretty cool ZM list with uh, Callus Typhon and things like that, so. I like ZM, and I never, ever get to play it. We have ZM tiles. Why haven't we worked on those?
0: Uh, because we keep building models instead. Alright,
2: i right, we're, I'm gonna, when I see you on Saturday, I'm going to grab them, and I'm going to bring them back to my house and start working on them.
0: Well, if you want to climb up into my loft, you can do that.
2: Aren't they sitting on top of your work desk? Nope. You son of a gun! All right, <laughs> um, we've had those for over two years now, and they're still in the fucking shrink wrap, aren't they? Yeah, they are. You're the fucking worst.
0: All right, I I keep uh, finding files to download and add to them, but I ultimately end up printing models, not scenery.
2: <laughs> you don't even really need scenery in ZM. You've got the you've got all the scenery you need with your walls. it, does, it doesn't matter? It doesn't no,
0: matter. No, it's just like more time. You can have as many ruined buildings as you like, but it's the scattered terrain that makes the table.
2: That's true. That's really true.
0: So, it's no different with ZM. It's the scattered terrain, the little details, they're what you really need.
2: The pumpkin patches and and bookshelves.
0: Of the 31st millennium.
2: Yes. So, I guess it wouldn't be pumpkin patches and bookshelves, it'd be more like Dead. Bodies and skeletons?
0: Racks of servitors and protein-paste recycling units. Yep.
2: That's what it is. That rolls off the tongue. We'll put (laughs) that on a t-shirt.
0: Protein-paste recycling units. Yeah. Mm, Yummy. So, Mm. uh, yeah, that concludes our... Well, we drove home from Durham. It took a long time. Yep. We stopped for food. Run into Guy and Guy's dad at the service stations.
2: That was fun. Just randomly seeing Guy and Guy's dad show up.
0: Yeah, the longest KFC queue ever.
2: Yeah, I got, I got, I sat down. No, I'm sorry. I ordered my Burger King. I received my Burger King. I sat down. I ate my Burger King. And then I surfed Twitter for about 15 minutes before you actually even sat down to eat your KFC.
0: And then I got my KFC and sat down, ate my KFC before Guy had got his KFC and come and sat down with us.
2: (laughs) KFC is not good. I don't know why this island's fucking obsessed with KFC. It's not good. Should have just got Burger King with me.
0: Ah, but Burger King's not very good. It's because there's only one Popeyes on this whole tiny little island. Ugh. And that's in London. Why don't they
2: have a Popeyes in England, or in London? Why don't they have a Popeyes in London? They do.
0: They have one. It's where the only one is. Where? It's in Stratford.
2: That's not London, is it?
0: Yes, it is. It's East London-ish, that way. East
2: London. So it's not even that far.
0: No, it's not. I've been there twice.
2: (laughs) I could get there by tube.
0: They have a Wendy's there as well.
2: They have a Wendy's there too?
0: Yeah. Oh, dude. I've been to the Wendy's in Oxford twice. I've not been to the one in Stratford, though. See, this is like... I miss Wendy's. This is what I... Like I do while I drive around for my job, I look to see where's the interesting place to eat.
2: (laughs) I never thought I'd live in a place where Wendy's was the interesting place to eat. Well, there's a Wendy's. That's just like my default place to eat.
0: There's a Wendy's in Croydon as well. When? Since when? I'm sure there's a Wendy's in Croydon. There's three. There's one in Oxford, one in Croydon, and one in Stratford.
2: Well, hot damn! I know how to get to Croydon. (laughs) That's just two buses. I can get there
0: there we go mm. so uh, yeah we drove home I had to get petrol, we got home very late by the time I dropped you off got the majority of my stuff out of the car and got in my house and fell asleep I felt like instantly my wife was waking me up as she was getting ready to go to work the next day and I stayed in bed because I put the day off because I'm the smart one yeah fuck
2: it me too I booked the day off as well.
0: Guy didn't. Guy had to go and teach children the next day.
2: Yeah. Poor guy. Mm. He knew what he was doing. He didn't have to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a good a good wrap-up. A-plus event. Fantastic times. We made new friends. We lived. We laughed. We loved. We almost got in a fight. And, <laughs> I mean, that's that's all you can really ask for from an event, right? Well, except for the fight part.
0: We, we ate Chinese food. We had kebabs. We did
2: eat Chinese food. We had st- we watched, Stotties. Uh, we watched Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, win the New Japan Cup. That was pretty cool.
0: Is that what happened? Okay.
2: <laughs> you were more interested in the comedy like multi-man tag team, weren't you?
0: Uh, I Yeah, I made a big fuss about it. And then when you said it was on, I then got up and left the table and went and chatted to other people. Yeah. So I missed it still.
2: You're That's okay. Trust me, New Japan wrestling is basically on like like 99% multi-man tag matches. So you if you really want one, we can watch one anytime. But yeah, it was a great event. I had so much fun. I I would love to do it again sometime. Maybe sometime when we can have someone else drive so it's not just you.
0: Yeah, so I quite like the idea of doing September next year.
2: 23? Yeah. Ooh, birthday.
0: Exactly. Because we were meant to oh, yeah. be going to the September one in twenty twenty. That's how long ago yeah, that this was event September's was. September's twenty twenty. Yeah,
2: September's twenty twenty event. because yeah, this was our our birthday twenty twenty event, wasn't it? Yeah. Time means nothing anymore.
0: And then it got rescheduled, and then the two events got merged, and then there was like a a lottery draw to see who got the March event and who got September. And because originally there was a larger group of us going up, we all got drawn together for the September uh, for the March event. So
2: I'm glad we were all able to do that. I I would have I would prefer going now instead of waiting for September.
0: No, it, it was last September.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No. I whatever we did, it's awesome. We got to go. That's all that matters.
0: But yeah, it was I'm, a ton of
2: fun. A plus event. Super cool dudes and uh i can see why people make a big stink about it when it comes down
0: yeah definitely i yeah as i said i'm really really one tempted to wait and then book up for september 2023 so we can yeah do it again with the new story arc because this this story arc has now completed so it'll be a new series of events uh, i believe that michael is writing these ones instead of the mills brothers as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see that different style, and hopefully we can make it an annual thing.
2: I'm into it. Let's let's do that.
0: So, I have played one more game of 30k since Company of Legends, and that was against our friend Connor. We, oh, yeah. Yeah, we got together. This was, this was when I got sick, I wasn't able to come. Yeah. We got together to play a 1500 point Centurion using our Return to Istvan lists. Uh, so I took my World Eaters uh, against his militia. We played Onslaught. And what's Onslaught? Uh, I've not got my rulebook with me. So I I think it's the one that has stage deployment. And then something happens. <laughs>
2: <laughs> got your notes. Got your notes really kicking there, bud.
0: Well, I've got the type of mission. I just haven't got written down what it does. It's not kill points. It's uh, oh, it's objectives, and I think you play. Uh, you score them at the end of the game. Oh, yeah, it's one. Uh, it's one objective in your deployment zone, and one in your opponent's. That's what the mission is. So the game was ended in a draw two all because Connor's heavy weapon teams basically killed all my dreadnoughts in the first two turns, and. My Red Hat and Destroyers went on a rampage and they killed two squads of heavy weapon teams, a unit of Grenadiers, two Medusa carriages, and the Force Commander on their own. They went nuts. And we're
2: excited now. We're excited now because uh, Andy Hoare did come out and say that the exemplary battle units will be in 2.0. We were all kind of scared because they weren't.
1: Uh, They weren't in the playtest documents, yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's really cool. We're excited. I was not too worried because mine are all three D printed, so I hadn't spent real money on them.
2: Mine aren't. My ultramarine ones. I'm using a stern guard squadron as my whatever the dudes with the nemesis bolters are. Yeah, I don't remember their name. But yeah, so yours are a real GW squad. Mine. Yeah, they are. Mine are not so much. I, I mean, it's a stern guard squad with like Mark IV helmets and like I did some Mark IV packs and stuff like that to try and thirty k them up a little bit. But yeah, they're supposed to be late heresy anyway, so it's all good.
0: They went absolutely berserk and killed so much, whereas my dreadnoughts didn't do very much. And then the deciding factor of the game come down to could Connor's. Last remaining sentinel on one hole point, kick my sergeant with a power axe to death before I blew it up, and he did. So he killed my last scoring unit, so I couldn't claim the victory point for the, holding the objective at the end of the game. So the game ended in oh, a draw. Oh, that's no good. It literally come down to the last combat phase of the game. So yeah, it was really close. It was a really fun game. Yeah. Dreadnoughts are really easy to blow up when you shoot like five autocannons and five missile launchers at them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> who who
0: knew? And then five more autocannons was, from Sentinels. I yeah. think that
2: was why Jake had the uh, autocannon group of
0: Iron Havocs. Uh, what are
2: the Iron Havocs? Yeah. Because he was just like, these guys can really just wreck anything. And we were all like, oh, I don't know, String 7. And he was like, yeah, see that dreadnought over there? <laughs> like, ended. No problem.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, my list is was two tactical squads, sergeants in artificer armor, one has a power axe, one has a heavy chain blade, uh, I have two... No, one ten-man red-hand destroyer unit with an apothecary, and then I have three box noughts, two with flamestorm cannons, and one with a plasma cannon, and then I have two cortis... Contemptors with Carries Assault Cannons and Power Fists being led by a Mortificator 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 So yeah, that's my 1500 point list and I was playing against Connor who had a Force Commander leading from the rear with two Medusa carriages Uh, and then he had three 15-man Grenadier squads Five Sentinels with autocannons and hunter-killer missiles. And then five autocannon teams, five missile launcher teams, and then medics in everything. Possibly just the Grenadiers.
2: I don't actually know that I have my list at all. Like, I'm looking at my Quartermaster right now, and I don't... (laughs) See my list in it. Well, yeah. So uh, this um, is upsetting.
0: Keith's not calling lists in. Oh, okay. So we don't have to submit them. But yeah, my list is is set because they're the models I have that are built. I don't have any other world eaters, so I have nothing to sub in. So I have to get them done. But yeah, so that's all my games played. So yeah, in the last month, I played nine games of Heresy.
2: That's that's good.
0: So I played 7 at Company of Legends. I played 2 with my World Eaters, 1 against Andy, 1 against Connor, and then I used my leg- Legion, no, I used my Company of Legends list against you. So that's 10 games. I played 10 games of Heresy in the months of March and April. Wow.
2: Yeah. way to go?
0: Good stuff. I should probably play something else. Yeah, well, that's right. We're playing Marvel uh, this weekend.
2: Yeah, playing playing MCP this weekend. It's gonna be a good time.
0: And then we're gonna go play More Time in a couple of weeks as well, up in Peterborough.
2: Hell yeah, love More Time.
0: Yeah, I love Peterborough because it's full of cool dudes.
2: That's true. There are a lot of really cool dudes up in Peterborough. Tonka and (sighs) Wendless and all those guys.
0: Yeah, even Mika. But don't tell him we said that. But yeah, the Legion of Peterborough guys are top-notch Titans of Hobby, a lot of them. And speaking of Titans of Hobby, we have more Share the Hobby Love for you.
2: We are sharing the Hobby Love twice this month, that's the best part.
0: Uh, We both picked so many cool things this month that we couldn't limit it to just three each for the month, so we have three more each. So would you like to talk about your first selection for this month?
2: Absolutely. My first selection this month is by Ivan Sarah underscore art. That's I V-A-N-S-E-R-R-A underscore art. It is an absolutely beautiful Isabella von Karstein. She's one of the classic von Karstein vampires from the vampire counts army in warhammer fantasy but she's done in with the new age of sigmar minis she's been converted from one of the new vampire like rat vampire models that they put out uh last year she's got a beautiful like stone plinth that she's standing on the colors in this are they're muted but they're vivid at the same time it's like muted purples and like bright reds
0: the bass is very muted, and the the bats swarming around her are very muted. But her red dress is so vivid and crisp to make it stand oh, so out. Gorgeous. It's it really it draws reminds the eyes. Um, it reminds me of the old Castlevania video game, yes, where the yes. his blood red cape is always really vivid, regardless of what else he's wearing.
2: I really can't get over how good the plinth that she's on looks. Like the the stonework. The different lights and shadows that are playing on the plinth and the and the uh, gravestone behind her, and that she just looks absolutely fantastic. I am in love with this mini. I've been wanting to paint vampires, you know, and I, I keep talking about painting vampires and stuff like that. And then I see this, and I just go, "Oh, why do I even fucking bother?" This is amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's wow. Well, it is just a great mini. It's so good and yeah. Isabella Von Karsten she's such an iconic character she's the yeah. wife to Vlad Von Karsten like the one of the founding original vampires of the Von Karsten bloodline like they the characters that have been in the vampire fluffing fantasy forever it's such a great great mini it's such a great portrayal of that character as well using the modern plastics it's so good
2: I'm I'm like two seconds away from screenshotting this and setting it as my wallpaper on my phone. I love this picture. She's cool as hell, man. So yeah, that was my first one, and I fucking adore this. Like, Ivan Sarah Art. Uh, well, I guess your name is Ivan Sarah from Barcelona. Uh, muy bueno, my friend. This is fucking fantastic.
0: Agreed. It agreed so good. Uh, so my first pick of for this episode is by Alfericus, uh A-L-P-H E-R-I-C-U-S Alpharicus and it's a uh, 40k thousand suns marine uh, a rubric marine which is painted in a very muted grey tone with the blue highlights uh, and it's painted like that because it has a vivid fluorescent pink flame coming out the top of it that's just drowning out and draining all the colour from the mini because it's it would be so bright, it's just shadowing the rest of the mini. And the mm. OSL on this piece is so good. It's such a It's very natural,
2: yeah. the OSL on his like headdress and things.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Uh I love how he continues the fluorescent pink down into the character's eyes. So you can kind of see like that same sort of glow coming out of the the eyes of his helmet. The lenses of his helmet. Very, very cool. Also the the blue shading that he has on the cold side of him, like also there's a there's a warm yellow light somewhere off to his to his left that's casting an opposite effect, so he's like Yeah, lit, got like two lit from behind like maybe like a, and
0: above and below in front. Is, yeah.
2: yeah, he's like there's a you can really it just in your mind, you picture, like, a, a tank that's on fire or something like that that he's walking past. You know, it's so cool. It looks like he's walking past some sort of flaming wreckage or something. I, I
0: love it. And the the little hidden detail that you can just make out from this this image is that the pink fluorescent flame is the symbol of Zinch as well. Mm-hmm. It's so, so cool. Uh, I was so tempted today to pick up some of the fluorescent paints from Green Stuff World, because they had them in Element games, but I don't know how to use them, so I didn't. Uh, I chickened out. (laughs) But yeah, they can add so much to the model. I'm thinking of using them for Infinity, for like the glowing Ninja Power weapons. Cool. I will do some more research on how to use them first, but yeah, this piece actually, is making me want to use them more.
2: I actually just picked up fluorescent magenta from Vallejo model color, and I'll be using that. I've got um, plans for that for when I for when I paint Gambit for my Marvel Crisis Protocol. I also actually used it on my the Jump Prey tour that I did. I use that for the exhaust coming out of his uh, coming out of his jump pack. So I was going to use that across my uh, across my army for all of the the jump packs to add just a little pop of color where you mm. least expect to see it. So
0: nice, yeah. yeah
2: it's like I did. Uh, I, I painted the inside of the the exhaust port with the magenta, and then mixed a little mm. magenta and white, and did some OSL around it with a dry brush and things like that. So
0: yeah, oh, it's it, nice.
2: any any like little bit of like a pop of colour like that can really do something cool for for a, a model or an army.
0: Yeah, the I don't think I've seen a picture of the back of your Praetor. So I was unaware of that. And that's intriguing. So, but yeah, that's Alfericus and his thousand sons as my first pick for this episode. So he is currently on 1,988 followers. So that's...
2: Oh, he needs many, many more. Let's than that.
0: try to get him up to two thousand, uh, because obviously we have great influence in the Instagram community. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: all, all you know, ninety thousand people that listen to this podcast. You guys, I'm talking to you, yeah. friends of the podcast, podcast listeners.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what is your second pick? Uh,
2: so, my second pick is by a dude called Absolutum Dominum. 1. So this is going to be a big one. I'm going to spell this out for you. A B S O L U T U M D O M I N I U M 1. Absolutum Dominum and I don't know why he needed the 1 after that because I'm pretty sure no one else has this <laughs> screen name. But it is a primaris aggressor question mark. It's one of the dudes with the double like uh bolter power fist uh, heavy bolter power fist things that has like missile pods on the back of his head one of those big chunky boys and he's done it in a beautiful like grim dark style so you see like a very weathered paint job realistic rust effects the water slide decals that he uses have all been roughed up and things like that's a very realistic uh, blue like a denim blue instead of your normal ultramarine blue and then he's got this gorgeous like inner light that's coming from inside the armor like a what would be like a heads-up display for this uh for this fella's viewports and things like that and you just see this little head poking out and a like a grimy paint job and then this beautiful pink that really pops and draws your eye directly to the face of this model it just looks like something you'd see in a comic book and i absolutely i absolutely love it
0: oh yeah the Oh, the rust streaks and grime down the backpack, the checkerboard, the faded sort of checkerboard with rusty streaks down it. It's the the piece is so nice, and then that again, that fluorescent pink sort of OSL uplighting from the collar is mm-hmm. to the that white highlight and that pink extreme. It's so so good. It's
2: it's otherworldly. Like it looks, this one looks so smooth. It literally looks like the dude's just got an LED built into the the neck of this model. Mm. It's so good.
0: Yeah, so so good. It's a little bit of running theme of uh, pink glow as well for this month.
2: I think this episode might be fluorescent pink.
0: (laughs) So, my next pick is a. Uh, a real video, because that's what Instagram is all about now. Uh, and it is by Tabletop Ready Games, all one word Tabletop Ready Games. Uh, and it is a great unclean one, a uh, Rotigus, a great unclean one, to be exact. Uh, and it is done in mm. that creepy, grotty, bruised, like Caucasian skin tone. With yeah, mottled flesh. Yeah, with the the sores, it, with that bright red, infectious sort of bleed over into the skin around it. Just pure infection, and then the splash colour of like purple for the fabric for the shroud mm. over the face and the the butt cover. And then the purple and the purple
2: the purple carries down into the gums of like the mouth on his tummy, he's got a tummy mouth
0: yeah, and the very extremes of the tentacles as well or, that are coming out of his mm-hmm. wrist it's yeah. yeah,
2: the like bruising at the end of the tentacles very very cool it
0: is it is a great, great piece.
2: I think one of the things that we're we're not calling out that we really should because it's not really a focus in this reel specifically, but I think it would be. I think it would be if we weren't just looking at a 360 view of the model, the sword that he's got the like oxidized copper on the sword next to the, the, that blue purple shroud Mm -hmm. over his face looks really good. And he's got elements of purple in the like wooden, like gnarled wood handle of the sword. So you've got that same sort of through line of like purple bruises, purple shrouds, purple wood, but it's all different tones. It's not just like purple wood. It's like brown wood with like a a, a bruised undertone. It's very, very cool.
0: Yeah, the, the color scheme running through this piece is magnificent. Great choice. And the purple
2: the purple next to that rusted orange is really cool paint scheme. Really cool colors.
0: Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. So that was my second choice.
2: My third choice is by Miriam Klein. And I, I, I'm i guessing that that's... Well, it's a person from the Netherlands, so I don't know if I'm saying that right. But uh, M-I-R-I-A-M dot K-L-E-I-J-N. Miriam Klein. And it's a... Beautiful model of like a um, it's a looks like so this to me says that it's a very high level half orc barbarian or something like that and it she's riding a manticore and the manticore and her share the same like armor like the their armor is made out of the same material so it's it's very very cool it looks like it was it's a, a full 360 view of the model you can see the front and the back and the I guess it would be like maybe like an animated paint style. It's not quite cell shaded but it is like it still looks kind of like a almost like a cartoon. Like you'd see this this like as a a piece for like a Saturday morning cartoon series or something like that in the 90s. And uh, her skin tone is a gorgeous like lime green, which goes really well with the orangey brown of the manticore and then she's got this bright fiery like magenta hair all with like a gorgeous like steel non-metal metallic armor on both both of these uh characters the 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 rider and the manticore it's just beautiful and then um on the back of the model there's like purples and things like that throughout to represent the shade and and um things like that on the model she's she's just an absolute gorgeous piece i don't know specifically, like, what it's from. It came from... I'm sorry, it's it's named... She named her Vigilance. The character's name is Vigilance, which is a cool name. This really just screams, like, epic-level D&D to me, and I
0: love that. So I believe the range is called Yed Harrow Models? Cause just clicking on the hashtag. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot of yeah, similar-looking styled sculpts, but different fantasy races but going back so the next picture on Miriam's feed is some close-ups Obviously you got the manticore's head so you can see the teeth and the the process of non-metallic non-metallic metals that smooth of smooth blending has been carried over to the uh, the teeth of the manticore and the tusks and then just even the detail on the eyes of the the manticore and the orc herself like the like that dot of shine like white white dot of the the reflection shine of the eyes in the iris and like you can see the scars where they're across the whole model there's are su- such a great like piece and it's so clean and crisp it's Great, great paint
1: job.
2: Yeah, I actually had a th- a different third piece that I I was gonna talk about, and then I saw this in my saved items, and I was just like, no, 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 fuck that other thing. This is the best. It is so beautiful. It's just it it really sparks my imagination as far as like, you know, what, wanting to hear more about this this character. You know, how did she? How did she come to? ride this manticore like what adventure did she go on where she tamed this this wild beast and things like that like what adventures have they been on together like you can see like scars on the manticore and then scars on her as well so it's really like these guys have seen some shit and they've kicked a ton of ass so i I love this the basing is a little bit too realistic for the cartoony paint job that she's put on it maybe I think I would have done something that was, like, a little bit less, like, static grass and stuff like that. But, like, who the fuck am I to tell this person how to do their model? Like, this is really good.
0: Yeah, just even scrolling through Miriam's feed, like, her page is oh, it's full awesome. of such crisp, clean paint jobs. They are, like, her entire collection of work is great. And mm-hmm. just how ripped that orc sculpt is as well. Is it's a little intimidating.
2: Yeah. Well wow. she's she's hot and she's got a super cool uh super cool manticore that will eat you. And I just absolutely love this model.
0: Yeah, it's because it's the only word I seem to say in this section, it is great. Yeah. So smooth. My third and final piece for this Share the Hobby Love section for this episode is by Dark underscore aisles so d-a-r-k underscore i-s-l-e-s and it is the complete opposite end of the spectrum it is a dirty (laughs) grotty, grimy grimdark nurgle warrior with a grimy checkerboard shield and a rusty battle axe the big old old horned uh, antlered helm so it is it a Blight King?
2: It is a, uh, it's not a Blight King, this is the, yes it is, it is a Blight King, sorry.
0: It is, it is a Blight King model, but uh, so it's got the dark, dark Age of Sigmar tags and the Mordheim 2020 tags. So, so the,
2: the shield and the axe are not from the Blight King model, the, uh, the rest of the body is. So I think he might have sculpted the arms mm. himself.
0: Rotten folk from the southern dreg heaps run through by a repulsive wasting sickness. Hordes of these barbarians gather in the Boshan fasting grounds, a lowland bog infested by a pestilential curse. Like, great little bit of flavour text in the description. Nice, simple pigment base just to to blend into the feet and the grot and the grime. Uh, a Very infected, bruised skin. It's it's well, yeah. It's not it's not clean and crisp like the last piece we looked at, but it has a quality all of its own. That grimdark style, I just mm. love it. I can't get enough of it.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, this is leave it to Grant to pick another like big, fat, nergly, nasty dude for Mordheim. <laughs> it seems like you pick one of those a show.
0: Nurgle and more time are like my two favorite things from the fantasy range. So, uh, fair
2: enough. Yeah, I the two things that really stick out for me uh, for this are the shield. Like you can see, like the highlighting and stuff like that, where he's chosen to highlight and where he's chosen to keep the uh, the shield looking grimy is really pleasing to my eye. Also, right next to the shield, the the Nurgle symbol in in uh, inside the sores on his tummy. Ooh, that's uncomfortable to look at. That um, it it looks so sore that like it's it's bleeding. It looks like it's bleeding. It's gross. It's uh, scabby. It's pestilent, and I love it so much.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's some real infection. That looks like you could smell that paint job smell that infection yep. just by being in the same room as this mini it's it's glorious in all its filthy goodness
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: there you go, that's a new, i love it good time, word. Man. glorious instead of great all about the G's so that is our share the hobby love section for episode five because this is episode f- our fifth episode we may have gone with four a for the last one but it's it's kind of it's 4B or 5 or the next
2: episode might be episode 5 or episode 6 I don't know we'll figure it out
0: so yeah is there anything else that you'd like to talk about that we may have missed guys
2: uh i don't think so i think you know doing 4 hours worth of podcast in the last like week has been um we've had we've had a lot of talk and we've we've t- we've gotten a lot of stuff off of our chests and a lot of stuff out of our system i think <laughs> yeah. so. Is. I just I think we need what we need to do is take the next month and we're already going to another event. We need to play some other games as well. We need to get another game or or two of Dungeons and Dragons in. We're playing some Blood Bowl or I'm playing some Blood Bowl soon. We gotta play some MCP soon. We're gonna play some Mordheim soon. We gotta really like work on making this not a thirty K podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've sort of got a bit of a hankering to try maybe play some Gaslands. Um, oh, I want
2: to play Gaslands again. I when you said that you wanted to play Gaslands again, I got so excited. I still have my I still have my cars that I've stripped the paint off of that are just waiting for for me to glue weapons on them and get them painted up and ready to go.
0: And then last night Andy, friend of the podcast, Andy, uh, up, Andy? said to me that he he wants to play more, um Malifaux. and I into it. I was like, yeah. You build a board for it. I'm not building another board, so.
2: <laughs> Couldn't you use? Oh no, they're not the same size as the Mordheim, are they? Well, we could
0: use. Mo- you the could Mordheim. use Mordheim in a pinch. Oh, uh, we could definitely use Mordheim. But yeah, I also want to play some Infinity. I want to play some Gaslands. I would like to play other systems, but it seems that we've just got tickets for Heresy events booked. So, well, we'll yeah. see. Uh, especially with all the hype of the new edition coming soon there's going to be a lot of heresy talk but we will try our best to play some more rpgs and some more various other systems but
2: so did you know that my my favorite band in the world is putting out a, a ttrpg
0: are they who clutch
2: yeah uh, faith no more oh hmm. My absolute favorite band of all time is putting out an RPG like they, they say it harkens back to the old uh, like original Shadowrun and stuff like that. Like some of the older like pen and paper RPGs and they're like dark and gritty, you know, post apocalyptic stuff. And it's like, that's that's cool as fuck. And I kind of want it now. <laughs>
1: it's like
2: It's an RPG put out by my favorite band ever. I'm going to have to just, I mean, like the first episode of this here podcast was named after a Faith No More song. Like, I I worked that in there just because I thought it'd be fun. Only one person actually caught on to that, and that is a friend of the podcast, Anvil Zaconor, Jack, caught that. What up, Jack? So, yeah, I mean, if you yourself listen to Faith No More and you want to try out a new RPG, let us know, I guess. Because I'm probably going to end up getting it. I think it's a ten, $10 or ten yeah ten dollar uh, download. Nice. So. It's like eight hundred percent funded on Kickstarter.
0: <laughs> okay, I also managed to get back one of my Marvel roleplay game books. Ooh! So it turns out Ed did have it. Uh, it just wasn't with his other roleplay books. And then when he gave me the book back, I was like, "Cool, where's the second one?" And his face just dropped. So he's currently <laughs> hunting for that around his house. But yeah, so maybe we'll get to try a round of that soon or something. Who knows? We make no cool. promises, but we are full of keen for to try anything and everything.
2: Yep. You know what? And if you listen to this podcast and there's something that you want specifically to play or something that you think that we should play and talk about, let us know. Like, we'll try it. Give, give it to if you If you play a game that we've never even talked about and you've got enough that, you know, you can do a loner army, like a, a tryout game for me or for Grant, like, let us know. We'll, I'll try it, man. Grant will try it and then you know, we'll talk about it on here. We'll give you an honest opinion on the game, and who knows? Who knows where that goes? But, like, let us know, man. It'll be a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you'll never know. Like, it's probably one that I've looked at and thought about playing, but never pulled the trigger on. What's that? Well, just any game. Like, if you've got those suggestions, I'll probably know what the game is and looked into it at some point.
2: Well, that's good to know. I'm excited for what the future holds as far as what we're doing this month. I'm excited for what the future holds as far as uh, what we've seen from Horus heresy 2.0. I'm excited for what the future holds as far as me going to sleep soon. So maybe we should call that the end of the episode. What do you think? Where can everybody find you on Instagram, Grant? Uh,
0: So you can find me on Instagram at arch underscore magos, or you can find the podcast at throwing dice pod on Instagram. Or you can email us at throwingdicepod at gmail.com
2: You can find us on Facebook
0: at throwingdicepodcast
2: That's right. And you can find me on Instagram at eldestructo83 You can find me on Twitter at the same. Uh, I want to shout out a super special, super amazing thank you to at riffyourpod on Instagram Uh, It's a dude named Owen who wrote And produced the new theme song that we premiered last episode and continued to uh, play in this episode. I absolutely love it. He was very receptive about, like, what to write in the lyrics or what style of vocals we were looking for. And um, super cool of Owen. He's also interested in doing... If you have a podcast that needs music, if you have a YouTube channel that needs music, if you're a pro wrestler that needs entry theme, anything at all that you need music for, he is open to doing it for you. He's very talented and he's very receptive to your uh, suggestions. So please hit him up at Riff Your Pod on Instagram. You can also find him on Bandcamp at the exact same name. Is there anything else that we need to say tonight, Grant?
0: Uh, remember, guys, keep safe, keep it happy keep sharing the hobby love and keep throwing Throwing dice. dice
2: Episode 5.
0: Handle. The headphones are on my head. They've not moved. Oh, I'm going to write that down because
2: that's the title of the episode. Let me write it down. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> wait, wait until you hear some of the things I was saying while you went for a wee.
2: Wait, one, two, three... It's a five
0: round... I don't remember. Anyway... I don't know why I've done this. Now Curtis is going to have it to uh, put in the outtakes. Okay, okay. So, remember guys... No no no, not yet. Oh not yet. I've forgotten the words anyway, so uh I had a train of thought and it's run away. Where's it gone? <laughs> Runaway train never gone. Maybe it's a poo.